0: Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson and Michael Brunts. Gentlemen, I don't know the last time all three of us were on a podcast together, but I suspect it was at least three commitments ago for Nebraska at this point.
1: Yeah, Nebraska was still adding guys out of the portal, I think, the last time we were we were all together. So, we, we've moved on to 2023 and the off-season excitement that comes with camp season. Season. I had
0: someone, Brunts, actually text me and ask if you were just going for your longest pause ever in between answers. Uh, you know, like and that's that's why you hadn't been on recently. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't know what to tell him because I thought that would have been an incredible bit by you.
1: Yeah, that's that's a little bit more of a bit that I'm willing to pull off right now. That's a good idea, though. <laughs> you just don't answer
0: a question. Three podcasts to go. And yep. then in the middle of BC answering something else, you just pop in with the answer. Like it could just interrupt it could be him. Good. It could be a thing. Brian, how you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Uh, I assume Brunt uh, was gone last week because he's fixing the wheel. That's what I was told. He has it in the shop, our wheel, that some of the some of the folks on the board have been asking about. The people do want the wheel, Brunt. So you're going to have to figure this one out. I,
1: I said during the off season, and we have not hit the off season yet. Once the, once the June dead period hits, we'll we'll talk wheel.
2: Okay. See, now that would be the funniest thing ever is if you lugged in that. You know, see, they doubt it exists, and I know it exists. Well, yeah, it's in its crawl space. <laughs> the problem is he has to get it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm hoping Bruns pulls that out, out of his back pocket. Yeah. It's, like well, moving
1: we're, ar- it's like moving around like a 1980s Volvo. That's how big that thing is. Yeah.
0: What what do you think the most popular bit in podcast history has been for us? <laughs> the wheel? Sock talk?
1: Spoken lyrics? Uh, what, what do we think it would be? Well, the first time the sock talk happened, I felt like it was pretty organic. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and after that, it might have been a little forced. So I don't know. I, I think I think the organic nature of the original sock talk will never be... It's like the Beatles, like rooftop concert. That's like what the original sock talk was. I think Brian fulfilling the
0: request of friend of the podcast Todd Peterson asking for the hot dog song, and him saying "hot dog, hot diggity dog," and just uh, you know his very smooth, uh, almost flat voice
2: for for the duration of that was phenomenal. I was. Uh... Man, I wish I could think of the game. You brought up Todd Peterson. I was watching a game on YouTube the other day, and our man, quickly, Todd Peterson was tearing it up. They could not they could not keep our guy in check in his 6'4 frame. So yeah. I'll have to figure out that game, and and uh, we could do a whole podcast probably on the damage Todd Peterson did to the foe that day. I uh, The Gator Bowl
0: came up in an interview I had the other day, and I made sure that I mentioned Todd Peterson's name. So he's just like synonymous with that game and probably this podcast now. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's get down to what the people want to hear about. And that's Nebraska's newest commitment. Riley Van Poppel joins the Huskers 2023 recruiting class. He is commitment number eight. He is the highest ranked commitment. The first four star commitment uh, through the 24 seven sports composite rankings bumps Nebraska back into the top 25 right now with eight total commitments and the first offensive line commitment. I think that Riley Van Poppel is going to be really important in this class for a variety of reasons, but I'll start with this one, and there will be an article up on Husker 24-7 this afternoon, diving into it as well. When we've talked about Nebraska's recruiting struggles, we've really focused on the, uh, the wide receiver and the development on the offensive line. One area that we maybe haven't hit on as much, they really have not done much with defensive line recruiting. The upcoming season will be like the first year a Davis, a Daniels, or a Stilly hasn't started for Nebraska since 2015. But they they need new blood, they haven't necessarily brought in a bunch of new blood, and uh it is a a big opportunity. Um for Riley Van Poppel, for future defensive linemen, for guys already on the roster, I just think Nebraska's defensive line kind of has to be rebuilt in the background. And and a lot of these guys are going to need to be able to play come 2023 and 2024 as well. <clears throat>
2: I'll give an honest assessment. Assessment. I'm not really sure about the younger guys that they have right now. Like that's, a, I mean, that's just being blunt. Like I, there, there might They be, aren't either. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. Sometimes you kind of feel like there's momentum in the background for a guy who's in his first or second year, and you haven't seen him yet. And I'm not saying there can't be with those guys. I don't want it to come off that way, but I'm definitely skeptical of uh, you know a couple of those guys actually panning out. And I'd be happy to be proven wrong on that. Um, but it's going to take some development, and uh, I think this. I do think they need to nail it with a couple prep, um, D lineman type guys. And on the surface, I sort of get the impression Van Poppel might be a guy who uh, could pop in, pop in a little quicker, like maybe you know, a year or so in. So I, I feel a little bit better about like where he's at as a prospect, as opposed to some other guys I felt were pretty raw. That was gonna, you knew were going to take at least two, three plus years to get into the system. I, I was just going Which through. What kind of years like. Well.
1: Mentally, the list of guys who have played early in their careers along the defensive line in recent years. I mean, obviously, Ty Robinson played a lot as a redshirt freshman. But, I mean, beyond that, has Nebraska had many guys that have just kind of come in and been almost like plug-and-play type guys? I mean, are we talking like Malik Collins here? Like, is that how far back we're going here? To- yeah, I mean, you
0: Pretty much DeAndre Thomas played a lot in 2017 out of necessity, more than probably that he was ready to be a nose tackle in a three, four defense under Bob Diaco. Right. But yeah, I mean, so what you're hitting on uh, between 2019 through the 2022 class and obviously Brody Tagaloa uh, the only 2022 defensive lineman that they took, he hasn't had a chance to play, but so 2019, 2020, 2021, the only two guys with with actual playing time are Ty Robinson and Nash Hutmacher. That's it. They've gotten so much out of that 2016 2017 crop, and then had you know the Davis Twins filling spots for several years. That frankly, they haven't had to necessarily go to those other guys. But it's also because they don't have them. You know, Ruquan Buckley is someone that's maybe the most interesting beyond that. Marquise Black's name never comes up. Jalen Weaver continues to have to reshape his body. Um, Nebraska, you know, Tony Tuyoti got every ounce I think he could out of his defensive lineman. He did not leave the cupboard particularly full for Mike Dawson when he came back to that defensive line room. Mike Dawson's biggest recruit before he left, Ty Robinson. Mike Dawson's biggest recruit as he's back here now, Riley Van Poppel. Like, I, I think there's a little bit of a bookend, and when you look
2: in the middle there, Pretty ugly for Nebraska defensive line recruiting in that stretch. Yeah, and Drew, Devin Drew, Stephon Wynn, and Mathis maybe bought them some time. Oh, yeah. So it, yep. it, it buys you a year to sort of resort it with a new defensive front coach. And they might still need next offseason cycle to go in the portal for a guy or two well some younger guys develop. But ideally, Van Poppel is a start of sort of a buildup of prep guys where like in two years from now, you're not sort of chasing in may sort of in a desperate, you know, got to have this guy or else scenario, which they were really in this, this past off season. And it's kind of worked out. It appears we'll see. Um, But that's what, that's why a guy like Van Poppel and sort of, I think, stacking that, that high school uh, prospect depth in the next class or two is going to be important guys who, really give you something and obviously that's always a crapshoot with linemen I understand that but you know Van Poppel you've talked to him a bunch Schaefer um kind of give us the I guess the the inside for those who are just catching up to his name today you know what he brings he's a son of a, a major league pitcher so he's got those genes yeah um you know we we never really talked about that aspect
0: of it because he's basically just a football guy I mean he he exudes loving playing the game of football. He wants to help his team in any way that he possibly can, whether that's as a defensive end or a defensive tackle or really whatever they tell him to go line up and play. Uh, I think the thing that's kind of interesting about him is he's already had a pretty stout frame going into his senior year. He's six foot four, 270. Uh, you know, when he gets here, if you want him to be that classic three four defensive end type at six foot four and 290 pounds, that's not out of the question. Uh, you know, if he needs to be a defensive tackle, uh, he could sort of, you know, be of the size of like a Jared Crick and kind of play in in that role too. So um, I'm not saying that he's going to be Jared Crick, though. Nebraska would certainly take that every day of the week if you could promise them. Uh, but I I think that's the kind of guy that he is. I think his versatility makes him even more interesting. But as you sort of hit on, like they, you can't just stop here. Like they they've, they've got to be able to add some other guys with them. I think that's. One of the problems that we get into with Nebraska's recruiting over the last decade is that so much hope gets pegged to one player at one position. And if we know anything about recruiting, it is very much a numbers game. If you have five wide receivers coming in in a class, you're hoping that by the end of their time, three of those five are guys that are contributors for you, and maybe two of those three are out-and-out starters. And if you're real lucky, one of those two is a star. With the defensive line, when you're continually bringing in two people classes and both of them are mid three-star three type players, you're really banking on the development that we haven't quite seen come to fruition yet, and you're kind of hoping for lightning in a bottle, and that can happen. You can get a guy, and this is a different position, like Cam Taylor-Britt that helps you stabilize a corner when it had been really ugly there, and then you can kind of build around it, and all of a sudden, you end up with Quentin Newsome and some other guys down the line. But at the defensive line spot, especially when you're rotating between a 4-3 and a 3-4 and year in and year out, it's going to be dependent on what your roster mix is. You damn well have to have several guys that can swing and play different positions. And I think Van Poppel's interest and willingness to do that, plus how quickly he connected with Mike Dawson, which one of those guys that probably won't get the credit for as good of a recruiter as he tends to be, Uh, guys just... You know, Ty Robinson's the same way, like just connected with him. I mean, he's he's someone that I think, you know, we joke because he's really loud and you can always hear him from everywhere. But he's just a he's a guy that loves the game of football. That's easy to talk to. And I think very relatable for a lot of these defensive linemen. You know, Brian Applewhite was involved. Eric Shenander was heavily involved. Nebraska's done a nice job with these recruitments this year where it's very rarely can you say it was just, oh, it's just this coach. They've done a lot of group recruiting, and and
1: I think Van Poppel is a part of that as well. Going back to the conversation about how, you know, they've kind of used that transfer portal, I think, to bridge with the high school guys. I I think that's defensive line, I think, is a spot where you, you, I think it's wise to go in and get a guy or two out of the portal every year, regardless of your situation. I mean, it, it just feels like that spot more than most if you can get veteran rotational type bodies, I think it makes sense to do that. And that helps you to be able to bring along guys like Hopmacher and Black and uh, Jalen Weaver a little bit more slowly, or Van Poppel, I guess now too. And, you know, I I think there's value to throwing guys in the mix and kind of letting them make mistakes and, um, you know, kind of learn on the fly in the way Ty Robinson did. But I just think, you know, you need to have that kind of other pipeline flowing to to make sure you're not having this situation where Mike Dawson's standing in front of the media talking about how dire the situation is along the defensive line. I, I mean, I can recall coaches kind of being frank about their position group and, you know, maybe what they need to overcome, but th- that day stands out so much in my mind because it was like, okay, this this not only is this coach being extremely honest, but this is a very, very big point of concern. And you could hear it in his voice. So I, I think it makes sense to kind of continue to pull out of the high school ranks, develop those guys, coach them up, but also have guys like Devin Drew that have played and can come in and give you, you know, 30, 40 snaps or something like that a game just to to buy a little bit more time for those younger guys.
0: Yeah, the, the one thing with that, and it's kind of like the offensive line, too, if you are legitimately good on the defensive line or can be helpful, you're going to have so many offers. I mean, you're just going to have option after option after option. But the thing that could be really helpful for Nebraska, if Stephen Wynn or um, Devin Drew, you know, and O'Shawn Mathis, if, if those guys have meaningful contributions and good seasons it's really easy to recruit off of how they did when you're talking to the next transfer portal lineman and uh, i i think that that could be a valuable thing okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road Um, for them as well he wasn't the only visitor this weekend just the first two have committed Nebraska had some other guys in I know BC caught up with uh with Ben Bramer who's been committed for a while we don't talk a lot about Ben Bramer we don't hear a lot from Ben Bramer he's very comfortable in his Nebraska commitment and uh very comfortable with what he's going to be in in the system BC what
2: do you take away from the conversation with Ben Bramer this weekend <clears throat> yeah he's just uh a quiet guy from Pierce who goes about his business and yep. he uh, I don't think he wants all or needs all that fanfare uh, that some some other prospects may uh, crave. And um, I I guess the the thing that's interesting is his family, I think you go into a visit where you're a Nebraska kid and and you're thinking, I know about everything about this program. And the official visit is still, I think, eye-opening to even in-staters because it gives you 48 hours basically to uh, really dive deep into every subject, whether that be NIL, which is sort of interesting. He brought up the NIL component. It's not something he's like really focused in on, but we always talk about it from the aspect of sort of of out-of-state guys who you're trying to reel them in. And a guy like Ben Bramer, if he does some damage, I've always thought like some in-state guys from small towns could do pretty well uh, with some NIL things. So there was some conversation about that where I think the family got to know more of that. And um, yeah, he's going to be a tight end. Um, There's sort of with his weight, I think people wondered, is he more of a receiver tight end? Is he all those things? He's He's up to 215 pounds now. He said he expects to be at 230 when he uh, sets foot on campus to start and then he expects to gain 10 or 15 pounds the first year and uh, him and Sean Becton hit it off. So um, Sean Becton um, I would say has had um, a, a good room since he's been here for the most part. And he continues to stockpile guys where you never really are that worried about the tight end spot with this group. And I don't think you're going to be over the next few years, even though there are some injury worries. So, so, Brian, if I understand you correct, do you think there's
0: an opportunity for Ben Bramer to uh, to potentially earn some NIL uh, money with Pierce businesses like the the Great Jay's Place, which is a highly regarded ice cream and
2: hamburger stop in Pierce? Is this what you're saying? I don't know. It's possible. I, I have been to Pierce only one time in my life. I was working at the newspaper and I uh, did a big takeout story on Matt Herrian and I watched the game at the, at the Pierce bar, whatever it is and uh, played golf on their little Muni uh, course where you just drop some money in the, you know, in, in a yeah. little bucket. Yep. I love, I love that. At the
0: first <laughs> hole, you're just putting in eight bucks and you're going yeah. to play. Oh. I played two,
2: I played two rounds cause I had some time to kill, <laughs> but guess what game I was watching with the folks at Pierce. It was the 70 to 10 Texas tech win where Bo Davis was thrown to the Wolves and threw about 19 interceptions. That was the game I was at. And they had jello shots going around as it was (laughs) taking place. And and folks were pretty jelloed up by the end of it, I would say.
0: Well, if we send you up to Pierce to do a story on Ben Bramer, you got to go to uh, Jay's place and tell us about it. They have the largest ice cream sundae in the state of Nebraska, the internet tells
1: me. So just so you know. The more you know a, a big a big ice cream sunday for a big tight end there's your there's your
0: uh oh man the photo
1: opportunities yeah. just
0: sound fantastic here
1: just catch so. catching a big ice cream <laughs> fun, man.
0: yeah uh nebraska had another couple guys out that uh we were able to catch up with in our network in tatum toyote and uh junior sia the the offensive lineman out of Utah. tatum toyote is interesting to me as well Uh, because this is a guy that I didn't really think Nebraska would bring bringing back in for an official visit when his dad ended up taking the job at Oregon. And yet, you know, you read that story and you think more about it. And just from the conversations I've had, Nebraska is very interested in Tatum to Brunts What do we, what do we make of this?
1: Yeah, I was, uh, the visit was a surprise. and and not only that visit, but he was also there for Nebraska's spring game, too. I okay. mean, he's been back twice um, in a span of a couple months. Obviously, he's familiar with Nebraska. Um, I'm sure he can find his way around the offices pretty well. Um, but he's got former teammates who are commits. I think, you know, when you kind of look at maybe what his visit picture looks like, I mean, Nebraska was his only official visit that he's got set right now. That seems notable to me. I think he's a take for Oregon. Um, I don't know that he's at the top of their board at, at that edge spot, but you know, I, I I take it too that if Nebraska was willing to to use an official visit on him and bring him in, I think they feel like they've got a good shot there. And and I th- like you said, I think they really like what he brings to the table as an edge edge rusher there. So I think it's one to watch. I mean, I I still would be very surprised if he didn't end up at Oregon, but. Um, you know, at least least from what he's saying, and you know his actions too, seem to suggest that Nebraska
2: definitely has a chance there. I've always thought, I've always thought too, and maybe his dad would say this to him. I've always thought it'd be really difficult to be like a player, you know, at a place where your dad is, and you never know in this day and age if your dad's actually going to be there for five years or if, if he's going to shift and all that. And there's sort of an awkwardness that can happen with that. We saw it sort of when, you know, Barney Cotton was a coach and he had his boys and some of them were still in the program after he moved on uh, and that staff changed. Um, so I think, I don't know, I could see if I were a guy, my dad were coaching somewhere where I would sort of be intrigued and, and looking elsewhere, you know, knowing how volatile all the business is and how uh, strange that can be. I did exchange one message or a couple messages with him and uh he the thing I thought was interesting is he pointed out that his dad is helping him as a father like in this case. He he made that clear. Like he, you know, not it's not like from a coaching like I'm trying to get you and I I I I can believe that. I I knowing Tony Tuioti and having been around him here, so I think he's probably just looking at what's best for my son to succeed for himself and, you know, make his own path. It's interesting yeah. too.
1: When you, when you look at his, like his brothers, I mean, he had, you know, a brother that went to Nevada who then transferred to Colorado state. He had another brother that went the Juco route. And I think he's at Idaho, Idaho state now. That sounds right. Um, you know, his sister had played college volleyball in Hawaii and then transferred to Nebraska. So, I mean, I, I don't know that there's necessarily like this, this, you know, absolute need to just kind of be where the family is. Cause so many of these guys of, of his siblings have moved around so much during their college careers.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and it, it really might just speak to you go where you're wanted. And if Nebraska's recruitment didn't slip a notch at all after his dad took that Oregon job, I mean, he's got really good relationships with those guys. He's made several visits over. He's friends with people already on the team or already committed in the class. So um, I I think that there's a there's a real possibility that we could be talking about Tatum Tuioti as, as part of Nebraska's class in, in 2023. I just don't know that I would have thought that before this weekend or this past weekend's visit. Uh, I, I really kind of changed my tone. Um, and, and really my thinking with, with what he said afterwards and how aggressive Nebraska's been in that recruitment. A junior Sia, real quick, I, you know, it, it comes up on the board from time to time because they have so many of these big offensive line targets they've been after. I want to make this really clear. Donovan Rayola really wants this guy. Like they, He's a hand-picked Donovan Rayola target from Utah that he went out to see twice in the month of May that he has built a pretty good relationship with already. That I think Nebraska feels like they're in early on before some of these other West Coast schools will start to catch up. He's already got Virginia, Utah as far as Power Five offers. Utah State's another offer that he has. BYU's talked to him and hosted him. Some schools see him more on the defensive side of the ball. Nebraska sees him as an offensive lineman. He's someone else to to certainly keep an eye on. If they don't hit on you know a uh, a Bo Huey or a Caden Green. Or as, as Allen's heard, maybe maybe Junior Sia is the other guy that they add on this offensive line. You know, as they put this thing to bed, there's not as I look at what we have at least for official visitors for the coming weeks, there's not uh, another offensive lineman that isn't already committed. So I think they've kind of taken their shot at the top guys on the board, and now they kind of see how it plays out. And uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if, if Sia is is part of that. Let's uh, as we finish up here. Let's dive into the kind of what the visits look like for, for this upcoming weekend. Um, Nebraska can have three commitments on campus. Who's the most interesting to you out of this group? Um, we'll start with BC. You got William Watson, you got Sam Sledge, and you have DiCaprio Boodle. You've talked to all three of them. Uh, I'm sure they're interesting all in their own different ways. But as I mentioned them,
2: who uh, who kind of stands out to you in that group? Um probably William Watson just cause he's a quarterback. Yeah. That QB factor gets me. I'm I, I, you know, me, that's a low hanging fruit and I'm just going to grab it. (laughs) Um, also really impressive guy, just the way he speaks about being a peer recruiter and I just like him. I think he's, I mean, if you look at what he's done, I know he's from an area of the country where maybe it doesn't get as much recruiting respect. And so people are a little skeptical of some things, but he's a champion uh, won a lot of games and was player, you know, best player up in that region. And then he's gone to camps, you know, this off season, and he's been one of the best guys there too. So, I mean, he's, I th- I think he's sort of backing up uh, what Mark Whipple has always seen in him. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've said this from the get-go, Mark Whipple's a guy who's coached quarterbacks and done this for 40 years. You give him that title, you got to trust that's, let him pick his guy and you see what happens, you know? And then he obviously uh liked Watson all along because he's recruited him for he recruited him for a while before he committed to Nebraska. Absolutely. Brunts, what are you what are your thoughts? What
0: are your thoughts on DiCaprio Boodle? Uh DiCaprio Boodle's younger brother, Dwight Boodle. Wow. <laughs> I just botched that entire question all the way through. Good thing we uh don't have the opportunity to edit this. What are your thoughts on Dwight Boodle. I almost did it again. I'm just going to let you talk. I'm going to shut up now.
1: Well, uh, DiCaprio Boodle is a fine Kansas City chief. And <laughs> I, I think, you know, his brother, you know, committed, you know, he, he's familiar with what Nebraska is about. You know, he's, he's been up here and and familiar from his, his brother's experience. But, you know, Dwight in his own right is, is a very talented corner. He plays in South Florida, he's kind of that, that big physical cornerback. Um, you know, you, you look at him and his highlights and he's the kind of guy where you could say, okay, this seems like a, a Travis Fisher type defensive back. And, you know, he's continued to get recruiting attention Uh, since he committed to Nebraska. I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily a danger in him leaving the class by any means, but I, I think it's, it's good to get a guy like that on campus. I think he's, um, you know, personality wise, pretty, uh, engaging. So I I think, uh, maybe a little peer recruiting there too, to go along with, uh, William Watson for, for the uncommitted guys who are going to be on campus there. Yeah.
0: And then Sam Sledge, of course, the Creighton prep offensive lineman, uh, you know, there's some real contention between who's the best in state offensive lineman. Now you got all three committed to Nebraska and, and there's other guys of course out there as well, but Sledge, I think talking to the people who know this state pretty well, anchors a really good Creighton Prep offensive line. And, and he was one of the first to to kind of get to know Donovan Rayola back in January. And so uh, certainly a guy that uh, is going to be sort of intriguing to see how he fits in and, and kind of where his career can sort of go. So Sam Sledge, the third of those commits. The other part of this list, and one guy actually just committed today. So I don't know if we will be seeing Jamison Patton at Nebraska this weekend. He just committed to Iowa State. He was an athlete, likely a safety prospect, from Ankeny, Iowa. Uh, Brunch, we've been doing this for a while. I don't think Nebraska's ever pulled in a kid from Ankeny, Iowa, despite multiple attempts
1: to do so. Yeah, I. they even had a kid that was wrongly reported to have committed to Nebraska at some point. Wasn't there from Ankeny? Well, what did, did we get like a... Wrong report out of Iowa that
0: Joel Lanning was
1: committing to was. Nebraska. Yeah, yeah Joel the... Lanning,
0: who later played quarterback against Oklahoma, I believe. Yeah, while also being a linebacker.
1: Yeah, I think that's as closest they've, as they've gotten recently to a, a commit out of Ankeny. So maybe that's not Nebraska country. I I mean, it's you know it's right down the road from Ames. That would make sense. But I, I was I was thinking of the Lanning um, near miss whenever uh, whenever you were asking that question.
0: Yeah, so the other four guys are all sort of defensive line or edge or linebacker prospects. You got uh, Kelsey Howard out of Las Vegas, six foot four, two hundred fifty pound defensive lineman. Uh, you know, we talked about getting some more help on that defensive line. He would certainly fit in that category. Dylan Rogers is going to come up from Texas, a six foot two, two hundred thirty five pound linebacker. Carter Menz from West Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, Nebraska has has gone into North Dakota a few different times here. Carter Menz actually picked up an offer during a junior day earlier this year. Uh, he is six foot five, two hundred and fifteen pounds. And then Hayden Moore from Aurora, Colorado, six foot three, two hundred and ten pound linebacker might be more of an interior linebacker that could be a Barrett Root special. But that's what we have in terms of uh confirmed visitors for right now of course i think that list is going to grow uh eight guys right now and i i wouldn't be surprised if it hits double digits by the time we get everything confirmed throughout the week so another big weekend ahead for nebraska
2: yeah i like the combination of uh guys you're committed to with with those you're trying to get i think there's something to be said for that when you can get that sort of uh cocktail going so you know and some of those guys I think can be pretty good peer recruiters. I mentioned it with Watson. I think he can be a pretty good seller to guys. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like the list. I, it's, been a, it's been a good June for Nebraska so far. And I think there's going to be, uh, you know, quite a bit of, of payout from from that first weekend still down the road. I still think some, some stuff's coming from that. Yeah. Well, speaking of stuff coming, Nebraska's going to have their second Friday Night Lights on
0: Friday and they will have the pipeline camp on Saturday as well. I plan to be at both of those. I'm sure there will be some interesting recruits in attendance. Of course, there's plenty of stuff going on. We uh, we're about to get into most indispensable Husker season. Uh, you two guys have not done your list yet, despite the fact that BC sent out a request for us to do this like <laughs> a week ago. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, I didn't. I, didn't, I thought it was the way you worded that initial text, I was like, ah, oh, crap, I got to get this done. And so I hammered mine out right away and I'm still waiting to see who I completely forgot. So I'm looking forward to seeing your list.
2: And that's why, and that's why you, in. that's why you wait for someone to do it. Cause then you get the names in front of you and you're like, okay, uh, okay, 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 okay. No, he's wrong there. So that, that helps me out. But uh, it's I tough. Th- it yeah. is tough. It is very, very hard this
0: year. Um, I read about it for the morning mash. I didn't know what to do with a guy like Ramir Johnson, who I I think pretty highly of, but I just didn't know where to rank him because, he you know, he may not be your feature running back. But it's hard for me to imagine Ramir Johnson not having at least some involvement on this offense at a fairly high level. Uh, And then there's so many new faces. And then, like, you know, do you do you rank? Does does win get in there or where does Devin Drew rank or how do you rank the two against each other? is Oshan Mathis does he have to be a top 5 player? Like how many guys can actually be in the top 5? Um it it felt like there was like 15 people I wanted, I wanted to rank 13th. You know, that's the yeah. kind of year that it was for putting this thing together. There's yeah, a, we can
2: go ahead. There's the, there's <laughs> going to be a lot
1: of guys, there's going to be a lot of guys on lists that were not on Nebraska's roster last year like I I was going through and doing a preliminary list up on the whiteboard. I've got the magnets. I'm moving them around. And, uh, I was really surprised at, uh, at how tough it was to, to eat like the, you're right. Like the 10 to about 22 was just, uh, was really tough.
0: Where do you get those magnets made? That's gotta be an expensive endeavor. You do every
1: season. That's why it took me longer. I appreciated Brian giving me a little bit of a heads up so I could have the magnets made.
0: Well, couldn't you buy like the magnets where you can just erase the the letters and it's just dry erase and then you can write in? You could.
2: (laughs) Or you could have them engraved (laughs) like (laughs) does.
0: You could. Uh, You always got to one up, everybody. What a jerk.
2: I I did the scholarship distribution piece that's on the website now. And uh, there's 33 new scholarship guys of the 88 right now. That's incredible.
0: I don't know that I would like the job where it's you, you know, it's on you to make sure that you're actually at 85 when you turn that list into the big 10, because they got some work to get there.
1: Still, so. they just give them the shoulder shrug emoji. Like <laughs> it was fun. too hard.
2: Yeah, uh, It's possible. It's possible. All right, guys, any final thoughts here?
1: No, I got to get back to my list.
2: Yep, yeah, I, be- I better get mine done. You put the heat on.
0: All right. When you get that list done, let me know if you need help getting the wheel out of the crawl space it's gonna be a busy week over here <laughs> all right for uh michael brunt's Brian christopherson i'm mike shaper we are husker 24 7 we will be back with another podcast next week jeremy runner returns to paramount plus for a brand new season of the original hit series mayor of kingstown my job is to create a balance avoid a war